This podcast is brought to you by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. It not only educates its students about today's communication industry, but it produces innovative leaders. For more information, go to ohio.edu slash Scripps College. Welcome to Spectrum. Spectrum features conversations with an eclectic group of people. Some are famous and some aren't, but the common thread is that they all have captivating stories. Today we're talking with Beverly Jones, author, career consultant, executive coach, and podcaster. We're talking about stages in a person's career, from early career to mid-career doldrums to retirement and after. Bev is the author of Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO, a frequent lecturer, and has advised many top-ranking executives in the Washington, D.C. area. Bev, you've looked at careers <laughs> every way possible, and you've had people consult with you. Uh, I know very young people, millennials consult with you about the beginnings of their careers. You've had people come to you often when they're in that mid-career doldrum stage. And then you've also had a very successful time consulting with people who are looking at retirement or looking at second careers beyond retirement. So I want to sort of cover that waterfront if we can. And I know that you just recently released your book, Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO, uh, 50 Indispensable Tips to Help You Stay Afloat, Bounce Back, and Get Ahead at Work. And they really address some of these issues that we're going to be talking about today. But let's let's go back to that that college student who's going in for the first job or maybe the second job. The first job didn't work out so well or they got some experience at that first job and they're going into that second job. How do they know when it's time to move? How do they know how to traverse that sort of uh, – that's a difficult time, I think. It is. But, but let me go back to your first point, talking about how so many – there's so many different career phases. Right. Because it reminds me of a couple of conversations I had yesterday with a young student who is – was struggling with exactly that. What does she do next? When does she take a move? Time is moving fast. She's in her mid-20s already, and she doesn't know her career. So that was one conversation. And I also got a phone call from a friend of mine who's in his 70s and is sort of struggling about some stages, some of the next stages in his career. And what struck me was we kind of had the same conversation. I think that today, careers are always evolving. Uh, sometimes they're defined when you're young, you tend to think of your career as a job, maybe the right. next job. As you get older and older, you realize that your career includes lots of parts of your life, staying in shape for your career, doing nonprofit work, building the network that's going to help you. But that, the way I think of it, that's all career. Everything you do in your relationship with work and your relationship 
with the environment that supports you in whatever kind of work you're doing, that's your career. Now, now back to um, to young people. When I'm talking with them, the the first thing I try to do is is take away their anxiety that there's a perfect time. That how will they know when it's time yeah. to move? There's there's never a perfect time to do anything, but particularly when you're young, there's seldom a wrong time. The way to approach your career is to to try to imagine at whatever point down the road it is that you can actually see, maybe five years from now, and imagine what you want in your life if everything is going great, and then to work backwards and think, what do I need to have to be to do that's going to help me get there? What skills do I need to develop? What kinds of people do I need to know? What do I have to become comfortable with? So if, if you're working in a, a day job as an um, administrative assistant, like lots of people start out, but what you want to do is be working for a radio station, then you start looking for an opportunity to volunteer maybe at a radio station, or you take classes, or you work on your writing. You can do all of those things now because they support your vision. And it's time to move when you see an opportunity. You're always looking for something that's going to move you uh, along to the next step. And if you kind of know the direction you want to go in, then you're going to be able to say as opportunities come along, yes, that'll move me this way. No, it won't move me that way. But there's no perfect time and no perfect step. It's more a matter of always envisioning the kind of life you want and what are the skills that you need, what are the network that you need in order to get there, and and, and, and how can I uh, continue to develop those? And that life that you want uh, is beyond career. I know you're, you're big on, on work-life balance. Yes, although as time has gone by, I don't think of it so much as different things. About 20 years ago, I sat down and I did a, a mind map, you know, sort of a, right. a, a, a hub-and-spoke diagram of what I wanted in my life. And I realized that I, I couldn't draw distinctions between work and not work, that they are at this phase, and for the last couple of decades, there have been some things I've gotten paid for, but there's some things that I've been doing that are clearly work and were setting me up for the next opportunity. So that part of my career, the way I think of my career at this stage, is learning something new. You know, what are the skills I want to get? For the um, last decade or two, I've been trying to stay um, sort of up to date with social media. I've been trying to continue to, to build my writing skills. I didn't have time in kind of my mid-career years, but I've always loved to write. And I'm working on my next book, and I, I want it to, to, to be better than my last book. I have found that in developing a career, building your network, and I mean real relationships with a diverse group of people, um, that's, that's so important. And, and that requires 
requires a little bit of discipline and and a sort of a methodical approach because we don't always feel like going out and doing things. So that's part of my career. And the older you get, the more important it is to to be fit enough, to be energetic and vibrant enough that you can really plunge in with the kind of passion and energy that supports a really thriving career. So the way I look at it is we're all entrepreneurs. We're all kind of laying the groundwork for our next job. And when we're doing that, it makes what we're doing now a little more vibrant and fun. I know you are have been over your career a, a major proponent of networking. Uh, and that's a term that's used, but I'm not always sure it's understood. And some people go, you know, I, I'm just not good at glad-handing, or I'm not good at going out and selling myself. But but I know your view of networking, it's not just that. It's, it's, it's broader than that. Yes. It's, networking is not selling yourself. Networking is noticing the communities that you're part of and making some choices to stay connected to a wide range of people. I think of network sometime as as dwelling in concentric circles. They're this close little center circle of the people that we love the most and we're comfortable with and we always want to be around. But the, the next circle out is all the other people we know and kind of like. And that second circle is very often where opportunities come from. The people we know the best kind of know the same things that we know. But the the second circle of people we're acquainted with that maybe we only know through LinkedIn online, that uh, maybe they're colleagues that we bump into from time to time, those are the people who often bring us new things and who can challenge us with questions. And, and so even if we're very comfortable with that small inner circle and we love spending time with those people, if we want to keep growing, the challenge is to take time to make eye contact if you're in person. Take time to listen. Take time to notice. Take time to get to know people. If nothing else, that second circle is so important because that's where you recruit the next batch of people who are going to be in your <laughs> inner circle. Right. And then beyond that, there are communities where you only have a glancing knowledge of somebody. Maybe they're the people who live down the street or they're the people who work in an organization you're part of but at another, in another city and you've never met them. You have a connection with those people. And what I found is people are almost always responsive. When I've wanted to recruit somebody for my podcast or find somebody to mentor somebody else I know, I've found that the alumni network that I'm part of, the Ohio University Alumni Network, is really responsive. So I can call up a stranger and um, say, so-and-so suggested I give you a call. We're both alumni. I know you're really supportive of the Ohio University community. I know the student who's in your town and could use a mentor. I wonder if I could make an email introduction. So the people who you don't even know but are part of that um, broader reach, those are all people who are part of your community. And, and networking doesn't mean you're going out and selling yourself to those people. That's such a rookie mistake. Right. Networking is about lots of times seeing what they need 
you know, listening to what other people, noticing them, and watching for the opportunity to connect to people, maybe offer a little help here and there. Let's shift now to that mid-career level. And I know you you do a podcast called Jazzed About Work, and people can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on the NPR directory or uh, uh, Google Play. But but the title's interesting because a lot of people hit that mid-career doldrums area, and you're telling people that they need to be jazzed about work. They need to be upbeat about it. Those seem to, to be diametrically opposed. How, how do you get those two together at that mid-career level? Well, I'm not telling anybody that they need to be jazzed about work, but I'm always fascinated by the people who are excited about what they do, who are passionate about their work and their career, however they might define that. So on the Jazzed About Work podcast, I interview all kinds of people who have interesting careers. In some cases, they're career experts. They've written great books, and they have suggestions for listeners. But in other cases, they're just people that I've noticed around doing their thing who just kind of um, beam out energy and and, and seem to really be uh, excited about what they're doing. I'm not telling other people that's what you should do. I'm looking at these people and saying that's what I want to be. You know, at this stage of my career, I'm still trying to uh, become the the kind of person I really want to be when I grow up. And I um, am attracted by the people who have that energy. But that energy drains. Sometime in the 30s, when you're in your 30s, or, or it, it's different ages for different people, you just decide, is this all there is? You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm in a what I consider a dead-end job, but I'm, I'm not having any fun. Uh, I've got all kinds of responsibilities in my private life. It, it, this just is, this is... A drag. Yeah, I, I think that always happens if you start out with the idea that this is the job I want, and then when I'm there, I'm there, and that's done. It, it used to be that we thought of careers, and often they were in big organizations. You know, back when you and I were in college, that's the kind of thing yeah, we had in our head. Yeah, you went someplace and you stayed for thirty years, but you went up the yeah. ladder, right? Well, yeah. it, so. I work with a lot of large organizations, government departments and universities and things like that. And, and those folks, the often they're lawyers or professionals who started out doing that. And they were A students and they went and they got on a ladder and um, they went up a few steps and um, they now they're there and there's the ladder doesn't go anymore. I yeah. mean, there's no place to go. It's, um, it's really boring. Well, we're not confined to the latter anymore. There are all kinds of ways to recreate your job, even if it's not in your job description, by looking around your organization and seeing what's needed, by looking at other kinds of organizations in your industry, by looking at where the action is, by getting interested in what are the changes that are happening in the world. Almost nobody has a stable job these days. So boredom is kind of a luxury they can't really afford. Really where the fun is, is figuring out, okay, I've got this skill set. I'm kind of bored with using it here. 
what do I do to recycle it? Where's the action going to be? How do I become part of something else that's going to be just as challenging as it was when I thought I was working my way up the ladder? And almost always that means learning something new, learning a new skill, understanding somebody else's need, looking to see what does the community need, what needs to be done, where's the problem, how can I make a difference. So you have to take responsibility for your own fun at a certain point, and nobody is going to hand you a challenge or find the solution for you to keep loving your job. When you have your base level of skills and maybe a financial safety net, um, that's just the beginning. It's, it's, it's really time to take responsibility and, and kick yourself into gear to figure out what would be better than this and how can I go about continuing to grow. We'll be back after this message. The Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University is comprised of five schools, each offering a variety of majors and programs for students who want to pursue communication-related careers. From the highly technical information and telecommunication systems to the theoretical communication studies and everything in between, Programs in the college offer students both the fundamentals of communication practice and the tenacity and skills to further advance the field. In addition, the college is home to four centers and institutes that enable students to gain hands-on experience and learn new skills. You can learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. If somebody's bored on their job and, and bored at work, uh, you, you talk about looking for new challenges. Can you look at new challenges outside of the workplace, outside of the career, and have those jazz you up, and then that makes the work more tolerable? That is a really good point, and the answer is yes. There are two ways this happens. One is just that if you're bored, you're bored, and it's sort of a mindset. Mindset, it's a way of seeing the world. So if you're feeling kind of shut down, um, you take that to everything you do, and even if there's an opportunity at work, you tend not to see it. But if you have something that you really love to do, whether it's hiking or doing art or riding a horse or volunteering with kids or whatever it is, if you go out there and you try something new, if you're growing, if you're finding things that you enjoy, and you spend your weekends in something that charges up your your energy and opens your awareness, then when you come to work on Monday, you're going to have a different viewpoint. You're going to have a different energy level, and you're going to have a new filter through which you're looking at everything that's happening. So one thing that you do when you're totally bored is to try something new, anything new in your free time to get charged up. Another thing you do is sometimes it's not so much that you're bored, it's just that you're overwhelmed with kind of tedious things. It's like um, there's clutter. There's clutter on your 
There's clutter desk, but it can be clutter in your email. It can be clutter in your head. It be, can be clutter at everything you're trying to manage. So, so, so sometimes uh, you're burnt out. You need a break. You need to get away and try something else. And when you come back, you need to figure out how do I simplify all this mass of stuff that's keeping me bogged down. So, so. So getting rid of some kind of clutter, whether it's data or bad relationships or whatever it is, and freeing yourself up is a way to get rid of that feeling that feels like boredom, but it's partly being overwhelmed. I know an emerging area of your executive coaching and career consulting is talking to people, mostly boomers, uh, who are late in their careers and are deciding whether to retire or have retired and then go, okay, I'm 70 or, or 65 or 75. I've got you know another 10, 15, 20 years to go. What do I do with the rest of my life? That seems to be an emerging area of, of career consultation. Yes, it is. Some people are motivated because they need the money, um, and everybody likes a little bit of money. But I think a lot of people like feeling that they're making a contribution, and whether they are um, doing this because they need, need the money or they're on nonprofit boards or whatever it is, they want to keep growing and making a contribution. But it's a little daunting sometimes, and it, it can be hard to get started. I, I, I think the first thing to do is – is get over the past. When you've had a, a, a sort of a big and successful career, it's easy to carry around a lot of baggage. It can be the baggage of failure or the baggage of success. I know people who had great careers, but they didn't get that ultimate promotion they wanted. They, they never got a vice president title, or they never were the managing partner of their law firm, or whatever it was. And now that they're and an opportunity to create sort of a post-career career, they still are thinking, oh, gosh, you know, wouldn't be like this if I'd gotten this promotion. Wouldn't be like this if I'd gotten that job I wanted. Well, forget all that. Um, those things don't matter anymore. Now you have another opportunity. Those are the people who are sort of um, bogged down by rejection or a sense of being dissed, and, and, and that's a pretty negative thing to be bogged down by. But there are other people who are bogged down by their successes. They're used to being staffed. They're used to being called Mr. They're used to having a big title. They're used to having IT help. And one of the things that happens with people who are comfortable and reinventing themselves again and again and again is they get over the sense of um, shame that comes from being a beginner <laughs> and not knowing what they want to do. When you are starting something new, you're going to fumble. I, I know people who are in kind of big jobs where making the transition might require them to know something about social media, for example. That's mm -hmm. something that I mentioned right. I've struggled with. Well, I feel awkward. I, I wasn't born to this, but when you feel awkward about something, maybe that's a hint that it's that it's time to do something about it, that it's time to give it a try. I know what it feels like to to be bumbling along, but 
you know, I'm kind of used to it now. <laughs> I, I think that um, not being hung up by your own trappings of prestige and refocusing on what it is you want to do, who do you want to be with, how are you going to make a contribution, is, is part of how you go to the next step. And then uh, something else you do is you look around for something that needs to be done and then figure out if you can make a contribution, whether we're talking about something that's happening in public service or a problem that you see other people have. Is there something going on around you where you can do something to help? When I talk to an older person or a contemporary person, uh, the first thing I notice is if they talk about the past, ad nauseum they talk about the past. I did this 15 years ago. 20 years ago, this was the, the – it just is tedious and boring and I go crazy. The people that I like to talk to who are contemporaries are the people who say, hey, what have you looked at this new problem or what about this new issue? How can, how can we solve that? It's, it's a whole different energy level. That's right. And I think partly it's a little bit inborn. People are um, maybe genetically have different orientation toward the past and the present and the future. But it's also a learned thing, and everybody can learn to refocus on the future. It's partly how we manage that voice in our head. When we wake up in the morning and we're thinking, oh, gosh, I've got to figure out how to send this document, and I don't have IT help, and if only I had uh, enough money. That you know, As soon as you start hearing, if only, or a phrase like that in your head, that's when you take charge and you talk <laughs> back to yourself and you say, enough of that. What am I trying to do? What are the next steps? By methodically refocusing on where you want to be and what's the first step in that direction, you can pull yourself out of that being bogged down in the past. And I, I'm, I'm speaking from personal experience. I, I think that it's easy to want to relive the things that you did before and do them better or enjoy them again. But if we want to stay jazzed about work, we need to uh, refocus on where we're going to have fun, where we're going to make a contribution, um, where we're going to be building a new uh, skill set next, and then we think, all right, what's my first step? You mentioned to me the other day that uh, your mother's 97 and, and she asks herself a question every morning. Yes, yes. She says um, she's very active. She paints. She has lots of friends. But she says, you know, I know I'm not going to be here much longer. I don't know how longer, but I know what I'm going to do every day. She said every morning I wake up and I ask myself, how am I going to have fun today? What am I going to do to make this a fun day? And I, um, I'm trying to learn from that. I'm, I'm trying to make this a good day, and I'm trying to decide what is it going to take to get me started every day. And I think that, that kind of attitude for older people who are do going through transition is so important. Yeah, and, and I um, have known my mother a long time. <laughs> I think for her it's sort of inborn. She, yeah. she, she's maybe a natural-born optimist. I am not. I'm more like my father who worried about what, 
will uh, have to get done today? You know, what are today's threats? And so I've had to learn not to focus on what I'm going to worry about. I'm still kind of cautious, you know, like you. I'm a lawyer, and there are right. reasons why um, I was drawn to a, a, a career of worrying about things that could happen. But I've learned to ask myself, um, what do I want to do? What's going to make this a good day? Who do I want to see? By asking those kind of questions, we can have a big shift in our attitude. And with all this new learning about how our brains work, we've learned that if we frame positive questions to ourselves, we can change ourselves. We can change our brain. We can change the nature of our consciousness. And that's pretty satisfying. We've only got about five minutes left. And I know this is a bigger topic than five minutes, but I want to touch on it because your personal situation has been interesting. Uh, you were the first uh, in a lot of things, the first uh, woman administrator at a major university. Uh, you, you, you went on to law school. You, you functioned and flourished in, in uh, what was then a male-dominated uh, world. Uh, all that time, though, you mentored others you were, as I call you, a matchmaker. You would line people up with opportunities uh, and then let them go on their own. But at one point, then you'd said, okay, I'm going to, I can do this. I can do this as, as a, a second career. Uh, it, what, what was that moment? Well, the moment was I, I was working um, as a senior officer in a big company that was faced with a merger, and I was responsible for getting all the uh, regulatory approvals of the merger, so I had a pretty good handle on what was going to happen. So I had the ability to look ahead a few months and see that my job was going to end, but I was going to get some money out of it, and and I had my safety net in place. And I, I thought, all right, I, I don't want to work night and day anymore. I don't want to be this kind of lawyer anymore. Maybe I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. What is it that I do? What is it that I'm good at and what is it that's really fun and I realized it's not the law that I've enjoyed it's mentoring young lawyers it's not the project it's helping other people to lead the project so I tried to describe the things that I like to do and I had never heard this is gosh close to 20 years ago I'd never heard of coaching outside of the athletic field I didn't know it was a professional job but I kind of decided that's the kind of consultant I wanted to be and I, I, I did a mind map of what are the things I like to do and who might hire me to do them. You know, I started with the people I already knew. And then somebody told me, oh, you're going to be a coach. And so I put that on my card. And uh, so I, 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 I started the path. But I, I, I didn't think I'm going to be a coach and try to do it. I, think, I thought, what do I want to do? And then how can I get somebody to pay me for some of it? We've been talking to Beverly Jones, and boy, she has a quite a resume. Uh, she's the author of Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO. She's also the host of her own podcast called Jazzed About Work, available at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and on NPR One, as well as the NPR directory of podcasts. Bev, Thank you so much for coming and talking with us. Thanks, Tom. We always have fun talking together. We do. Today, we've been talking with career consultant, author, and podcaster Beverly Jones about the stages of a person's career 
with tips on how to navigate through some difficult landscapes. Spectrum is produced by WWB Public Media. Adam Rich is our co-producer. I'm your host, Tom Hudson. Please subscribe to Spectrum at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or at NPR One. We welcome your feedback, so please rate our podcast or review it through Apple Podcasts. If you have questions or comments about any of our podcasts, please direct them to me by email at hodson at ohio.edu. That's hodson, H-O-D-S-O-N, at ohio.edu.